The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay. Um, so, so again, so the, so the issue is um, when you have uh, something that comes up, such as what recently there was a case in Oregon two weeks ago that the, there was a bakery, Christian-owned bakery, owned by someone named Aaron Klein, Aaron and Melissa Klein, sounds Jewish, but they claim they're Christian, and they were asked to make a cake for a gay wedding. Um, they wanted two males on the top of the cake, and um, they refused to make it. They, and the local administrative court ruled, they fined them, I think it was between 150 dollars and $200,000, um, because they refused to make this cake for this couple. Well. Okay, this is in this near Portland, Oregon. Oh, um, well, okay. Actually, in, around two years ago, there was a case in Colorado. Um, we're also a sim similar case. A bakery was asked to make a cake for a wedding. Okay, wedding. They refused. In that case, they weren't fined, but the they have to report. They have to take that. All their employees had to go to sensitivity training course, and they have to uh, promise never to do it again and to bake as many gay wedding cakes as necessary in the state of Colorado. Rabbi, I mean, if yeah. somebody has a private business, I mean, you can you can choose to turn away business, can you? So that's the question. So there is um, many states, not Texas, by the way, but many states, it's not a federal law, but many states have passed laws which allow you, which say you cannot discriminate based on sexual orientation. So it means you can turn away business, but not because of their sexual orientation. State of Texas, by the way, does not have that law, so you can turn someone away because of their sexual orientation. So far, in the state of Texas, but many other states, I think it's around 16 or 23 states. I don't remember the number. Do have passed laws, just like you can't turn someone away because they're black or because they're Jewish. So, so you can't turn someone away because you know you're allowed to not take someone's business, but not because of race. Right, that's a federal law, I believe. Um, so, so, so the question of sexual orientation is that in, is that considered is that a problem turning someone away because of their orientation? Now, one can make the argument that in this particular case of the gay wedding cake, um, they're not turning them away because of their sexual orientation. If a straight couple come and they want two men on their cake, they'd also turn them away. So it's not the sexual orientation of the consumer that they turn them away. So technically, they can argue they're not discriminating, which I'm sure they did argue. They're just saying that selling, condoning a gay wedding for them is a problem. They have nothing against gay people, per se. Um, it's just condoning, we can't sell you something which is part of your act, which we, do, we deem doesn't fit with our religious values. But the, the argument against that is, I'm trying to remember, is that, um, meaning if they would come and ask for a man and a woman on top of the cake, you'd sell them the cake. So just because they're asking for two men, so that's, that becomes the issue. You know, is that discriminatory? You know, if, you, if, if we'd ask for a man and a woman on top of the cake, we'd have no problem. And the other thing is, yeah, so, so that's, that's really the question. That's the debate. But the, the question is, that that's not our issue. That's a legal issue. We're here to discuss the halacha. The question is, halachically, am I allowed to, if I'm a Jewish-owned bake shop, and a couple comes in, and they want to buy a cake, can, am I allowed to sell them the cake? Halacha. I'm not talking about from the government's point of view. Um, the question is halakhic. Um, same question was applied um, the Hobby Lobby case 
Which was it? Yeah. What's the halachic issue? Issue. Yeah, you are you being part of their uh, something that the Torah prohibits? The Torah prohibits a homosexual man. So the question is by me. Okay, hold on, hold on. One second. Let me finish my statement. So the question is by me participating or giving them something which will help them in their uh, celebrate that event. Is that a problem halachically? That's the question. So the same thing goes then for three brothers today that's giving a bar mitzvah cake to them that are mixed dancing or anything like that. Is that, right. I mean, is that Maybe. what we're going down those Maybe, road? yes, like, yes. Well, okay. That could be similar question. Yes, it's not, it's not limited to this question. Okay. It's limited. There's I'm many, uh, many applications, okay. which is anytime you're selling something, am I allowed to sell someone something? This is a question. It's a business question. Basic Jewish business ethics. Can I sell someone something which they're going to use um, for a for a immoral or sinful something that the Torah deems so immoral or, or sinful? Right, right. Halachically, yes. Okay. Now the government's saying you have to sell that cake in in Oregon and in Colorado, Texas. They haven't said it yet. Um, but one day the day will come. It's not far off. So the so again the question is. So can I, if, I, if I'm, if you know, if Bobby Jucker calls me up, he wants to know, can he sell that cake? He hasn't called me yet. Um, but when, if he calls me, so what do I answer? That's the question. That's question number one. The other, the other case that came up in the courts. Jewish Herald. <coughs> they haven't asked me either. No, no. Well, the Jewish Herald is worse because they're basically promoting uh, trade for restaurants, kosher restaurants. They're promoting. Um, they have advertisements. Uh, yeah. So, so the so that's that's that might be even worse. We'll get to that. That's, we'll discuss that. Okay. So now the, the other case that came up in the courts recently was the Hobby Lobby case, um, based here in Houston, uh, right one right across the road on 610. So the owners of Hobby Lobby are devout Christians. They're closed on Sunday. If you ever try to go there, mm-hmm. uh, you can't go there on Sunday. Um, very from um, Shomer Shomer Christian Sabbath. And uh, so they, uh, the, one of the things when Universal and Obamacare was passed, when the Affordable Health Care Act was passed, um, so in the Affordable Health Care it says you must provide, if you have more than 15 employees, you have to provide health care, including paying for contraception and abortion. Um, Hobby Lobby said, claimed um, that, and, that this was against their religious beliefs. They cannot provide contraception um, and abortion to their employees because this is against their religious beliefs. And they sued the government, and actually they won. The, uh, the government, the courts ruled in Hobby Lobby's favor that they're exempt um, from doing something which goes against their religious values. In that case, so even though they have to provide health care for their employees, but their health care does not—it's not obligated to include um, contraception and abortions. Um, specifically, by the way, they sued less on the contraception, more on the abortion issue, and the morning after pill, which was they claimed was literally murder. Which is against the contraception is part of their plan. It's the RU. It has to be part of it's a part of the Affordable yeah. Care Act. Yeah. Yeah. The government but it's you buy health care through and through the government, yes, yeah, you do get contraceptives. Because they do provide birth control pills. So anyway, so in that case, um, the, the government rule was the, the courts ruled against the government and it's based on a law, just so you should be educated. It's called the RIFRA. Act, which is, was passed by Bill Clinton in 1993. It's actually introduced to the Senate by Chuck Schumer, our fellow nice Jewish boy, um, who's not boycotting BB. He's, uh, he's going to the speech. Also part of the President signed this bill. 
What? Kind of backfired on him, did it? What, the Riffra? Yeah. Why? Well, because of Hobby Lobby, I think he was against Oh, sure, he's, yeah, he's liberal, but he's still a nice Jewish boy from Brooklyn. Anyway, so so uh, so his the religious first, um, it's called Refer Religious Freedom Restora- Restoration Act, which states more or less. Look at it on the way here. Let me read it to you. To make sure I got it right. Um, it says like this: uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act holds the federal government responsible for accepting additional obligations to protect religious ex- exercise. Um, so, uh, interesting thing it says here. Out of the 337 cases that cited RIFRA, it was found that Jewish, Muslim, and Native American religions, which make up only 3% of religious membership in the U.S., make up 18% of the cases involving the free exercise of religion. So, which is interesting. But, uh, but in any case, um, the point, the RIFRA says that the government has to have a compelling reason to force someone to do something against their religious beliefs. So this is very, has a lot of applications. We, we dealt with it here. I think we spoke about it in this class in the past. When I sue, I was a defendant um, in a against an autopsy against Harris County. So it was a lawsuit that we tried to stop Harris County from performing an autopsy on a member of the Jewish community, um, which this also came up. The question was: So the government has to comp- has to prove compelling reason if they're going against someone's religion. There has to be compelling reason to uh, to require that. Okay, so that's that's more or less what RIFRA is about. Um, and like we said, it figured prominently, says here, in oral arguments in the case of Burwell versus, versus Hobby Lobby. In a 5-4 decision, Justice Alito stated that the RIFRA did not just restore the laws before Smith, but contains a new regulation that allows to opt out of federal law based on religious beliefs. So Hobby Lobby was able to opt out of federal law based on their religious beliefs in that case. Um, so just as far as, so, what, so what's the halachic issue here? The first halachic issue to deal with is the issue of um, something we discussed here in the past, but we're going to get into more of the intricate detail. Um, there's a, a, a pasuk in the Torah, explicit pasuk, um, in Parshat Kedoshim. It says, it says, iver lo It's quoted here on the bottom of the sheet. Um, in front of a blind person, you shall not place a stumbling block. So there are many applications, many uh, interpretations of that verse. The Talmud applies it in... Th- in three different applications. Number one is in the literal application, literally Charlie Chaplin. You throw a banana peel in front of a blind guy or anyone walking down the block when they're not seeing it. So that is biblical prohibition. Charlie Chaplin was an evil person, according to the Torah. Um, okay, that's number one. Number two is in a case where you are giving bad advice. This applies to professional, non-professional. Someone comes to you, they want to buy a certain building, they come to to uh, Brian and they say I want to buy uh, this building. What do you think of it? Is and he and he he really wants it for himself. So he tells them a oh, terrible, terrible piece of property. Don't buy it. And that is called that's a violation of Michelle, You're placing a stumbling block front of the blind. They're blind. They, they look seeking advice. Um, they're coming to you for advice. Or the case would be the same would apply. Uh, someone's dating someone and they ask you about it, advice about this woman and you want to go out with her. So you say, ah, oh, I wouldn't. I, not try with data, she has terrible athlete's foot. Um, um, and so in that case, situation, so uh, you also, you violated this law of you're placing a stumbling block, and you're giving, you're preferring bad advice, okay, when someone's asking advice. Um, the, the question is if, let's say, they didn't heed your advice, are you still in violation? What is the violation? Giving the bad advice or actually only because they stumbled, let's say they don't end up stumbling. You place the stumbling block, they don't stumble. So that's a different question. So, which might be relevant to our questionnaire, but the third application is most relevant to us, which is the Talmud says 
blind doesn't only mean literally blind or advice blind, it means even spiritually blind. That means if someone um, is spiritually blind, they, they have no problem doing these immoral things or sinful acts, and you're in whatever way um, enabling them to sin, so you're in violation of this biblical, the negative commandment, it's a love, Losa say in the Torah of Lufneiver, Lositen Nechshol, you're placing a stumbling block. So the classical case that we discussed it here is, is uh, I'm driving the car with Scotty and he wants some Kentucky Fried Chicken. He doesn't have any cash on him. So uh, he says, can you, you know, stop at the restaurant and, and give me some cash to buy Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, and so for me to do that, technically, would be a biblical violation. Even though I'm not eating the chicken. And I really don't want it. But the fact that I'm enabling him to sin. He couldn't buy that chicken without me. <coughs> so, and that chicken is trafe. So then, that means I'm in violation of this law of Los Lufnei Velocite Mokshah. Okay? But I'm grabbing this. And I'm going to take my car. And I'm going to, I'm going to get the chicken. So you either give me the money, or I'm going to get it somehow. No, but he said, but then he gave a unless you have a gun and gonna hold up the Kentucky Fried Chicken you that revenue so then technically yeah I'm saying so now if let's say the scenario would be like this Scotty's asking a good question good point let's say the case was a Scotty didn't have cash but he had an ATM card and the closest ATM is four blocks away so he's too lazy to go to the ATM so he says can you give me the cash to, for the KFC but he technically can get by the KFC without him. He can walk to a block, go to the ATM, take out the, his own cash, mm -hmm. and buy the chicken. Just he's lazy. It's always been a problem since you were a teenager. So, so now the question is, so in that case, so I'm not enabling him to sin. He could sin without me. So that's where it becomes this question of, so what is that prohibited? Where I'm not enabling him to sin. Um, the Torah says, I'm, do not place a stumbling block in front of the blind. Says the Gemara, Gamara says in, in a few places, um, specifically in Tractate. Yeah, Beta, yeah. Whether the photographer's there or the cake is there. That's so we get to the cake. One second, we're not at the cake yet. First, we're going to lay down the guidelines. Then we're going to apply it to the, to the gay wedding. So now the question is like this. So now, well, the Gamara says like this. The only time there's a biblical prohibition of placing a stomach block in front of the blind is specifically, the Gamara's example is what's called Trey Ivre Nahar. That means two sides of the river. The case is, it's the Gemara's example is a Nazir, someone who's a Nazarite who took a vow never to drink anything, uh, any wine, anything from the vine, any grapes, and he and there's a cup of wine on the other side of the river. I have a, I have a rowboat, I have a ferry boat. So the Nazir says, screams across the river and says, "Can you bring me the cup of wine?" So now there's no way the Nazir could have get got the cup of wine. He couldn't have crossed the river without me. It's only with my boat that enables him to get the wine. So that's the case, says the Talmud, where there's a violation. Anything, if it's the same, the same side of the river, okay, if the couple wines on the same side, just let's say, let's say that wasn't kosher, and I asked Brian to pass the Koslo, okay, or pass the KFC. So now that, I can get up, I'm just lazy. So, but Brian's passing it to me, so that's only, that's rabbinically prohibited, it's not biblical. That's called Messiah, you're assisting in sin, you're abetting the transgression, but you're not enabling the transgression. So there's a major difference between the two categories. But you're saying this example of the ferry across the river. That's biblical. That's the biblical, that's the classical biblical case. Says the Talmud, but if the cup of wine is on the same side of the river, then I'm not enabling you. The cup of wine is on the same side of the river, so then, and he just says, pass it. So then, 
you're, you're, you're assisting in a sin, you're betting, that's number two, you're that's betting the transgression, but you're not enabling the transgression. Yeah. So the biblical evidence is the criteria. So the two categories are, criteria number one is, you're enabling the person to sin. They could not sin without you. They couldn't have performed the sin without you. Scotty had no cash, he had no ATM card. He's, he's maxed out on all his credit cards. He's done. Okay, there's only one way he could get the chicken, with my cash. Or with a gun. Okay, and he doesn't have a gun. So, so the point is, so then, that's a biblical violation for me to give him the cash. Scenario number two is where he has his ATM card, so he could get the chicken, just he, he has to go two blocks to get his cash. So I'm not enabling him to get the chicken, I'm, I'm abetting his transgression by giving him the cash. He could go without me and get, and get, and get the chicken, get the, get the cash out of the ATM. Okay. Yeah, strictly okay. on a biblical level. Yes. That's only scenario number I one. I know yeah. I'm the fairy owner. <coughs> I know you're a Nazar. No fair, we're not talking about fairies. <laughs> well, we kind of are. Yeah. Hi. Um, I know there's a cup of wine on the other side of the river. But you came to me and you said, I want you to cross me over the river, I gotta go do something. I gotta cross the river. You don't give me a reason why. Alright? It could be a legitimate you're going to do a mitzvah. Well, you're a moil also and you have to be going, whatever. Alright? But the, I know the cup of wine's over there. If I bring you across, so that's a great point. Nice. It's a very good point. We're going to get to that. Marshall Feinstein says okay. So that's a very excellent point. Okay, so now, so again, so we have category number one is enabling transgression, biblical. That's serious stuff. Tra category number two is rabbinical. Of course, rabbinical is also serious, but not as serious. Okay, so that's category, I put it here, category rabbinically prohibited. This means that you take an active role in the unethical activity, but if you didn't do it, someone else would, or he could do it himself. This is less severe level, but it's still ethically problematic. One reason is that somebody else can excuse his own participation by pointing out that you would take the job otherwise. In the end, each person justifies his participation by pointing to the other, and no one is exercising moral leadership. We need to carefully evaluate the example we're setting before putting ourselves in such a situation. So it's a problem, it's rabbinically prohibited, but it's not biblically prohibited. Scenario number two. Okay, now, just well, let's start first, before we get to the cake, we'll start with the Hobby Lobby case. So the question is, if I'm an employer, and my insurance will be providing uh, abortion for this person, which is in, an, in a halachically prohibited case. Well, abortion, by the way, is permitted in, in certain cases, if it's endangering the life of the mother, I'm not going to get into all the details, if, if even emotionally endangering the life of the mother, but in many cases, abortion is not, is prohibited. So the question is, if I'm, if I'm a, an employer and my health insurance is providing abortion, is that a problem for me as an employer? Um, am I assisting in their sin? By the way, abortion for a Gentile is more serious than for a Jew. Because in, in the Torah, the Torah seems to imply that a, a fetus is not a life. It's not murder. It's prohibited, but it's not murder. Prior to the Torah being given, the Noahide laws seem to call infanticide murder or uh, feticide, whatever you call it, uh, uh, is murder. So for Gaib, it's actually worse. So if you're going to have an abortion, it's better to use a Jewish doctor than a non-Jewish. Always better to use a Jewish doctor. But, uh, but that's besides the point. That's parenthetical. The point is, so now as an employer, is there a problem if I'm providing health insurance to my employees where that health insurance will provide contraception, abortion, things that might be halakhically questionable or even outright prohibited? So the, so the first thing to know is that, first of all, contraception is very much smaller problem in the Torah than in Christianity. Catholicism is, prohibits all contraception. Um, Judaism, as long once you had your prerequisite number of kids, which is 17, and, uh, that's, uh, and, then, you're okay, right? and you're fine, you're allowed to use contraception. Okay, but, but well, whatever, without getting into the details, it's much less of a problem with contraception. Um, 
and like we're saying, even abortion is not considered murder, murder according to most poskim. But there's a, the issue here is it's really a moot question as far as Judaism is concerned, because as far as Allah is concerned, because um, there's a concept, especially with non-Jews, known as lefnai de lefnai. That means if I'm two steps removed from the sin, we no longer trace it back to me. Sort of like money laundering. Uh, not to compare it for a bit, but the point is like this: that that. So let's say a classical case where this is discussed is neutering your animal. We're not going to get into that. It's a whole different topic. But neutering your animal, um, neutering a animal in in the t- it's a biblical prohibition, by the way, to to uh, to cut your dogs and cats, to castrate them is prohibited biblically. So what the loophole? Of course, there's always a loophole. What do you do when you have a dog and a cat? So the loophole is because you you're not neutering; you're doing bring it to the vet. The problem is. Even for even for non-Jews, it's, it's technically a problem. So, um, what do you do? You're you're causing the vet to sin. I'm bringing him my my dog, my cat. He's going to neuter the, the cat. So now what happens? So how can I do that? It's a violation of I'm placing the stumbling block. I'm 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 enabling him to sin. He wouldn't be cutting my dog, castrating my dog, with if I didn't bring it there. So I'm, it's my fault. So the loophole is what's called the fnai de fnai. That means what you do is you get your maid or whoever some non-Jewish friend, you get them, you, the, the way it works, it's sort of like selling your chametz. You sell them your cat, yeah, yeah. and then they bring it to the vet. Oh, I don't like it. Okay, you don't have to like it. That's the halacha. You don't have to like it. One second, let me explain it first, and then you can say you don't like it. You have to hear it before you can say you don't like it. One second. No, no, one second. Let me explain. Let me explain the... the I decided reason. to do it myself. Okay, I'm so the go point is... I'm going to stand in front of him, and I'm going to say I did it, not I paid somebody to take him in there, and I'm responsible for leaving me. So the point is, so there's a concept in, in, in halacha called lefnai de lefnai, which means the Torah says lefnai ver, do not place a stomach block in front of the blind. But if I'm giving, if someone else, if I'm doing, giving someone else the stomach block, who then is placing the stomach block in front of someone else, that's two steps removed, says the Gemara, that that's not a violation, at least when it comes to a Gentile. For a Jew, it's still prohibited, by the way, if the, if the person's sinning, meaning, so, so if even two steps removed. But when it comes to Gentiles, I don't have to worry about what happens to me, you know, I was like, used to, like like Brian said, I'm selling the guy a car. And it happens to be now he's going to use the car to, to sell drugs. I, I'm not liable for that, just like an American law. It's the same thing. I'm not liable if he's going to use his car for something that's that's a, that's illegal. So it's the same thing in Allah. Once it's two steps removed, so therefore the whole Hobby Lobby case, as far as Allah is concerned, is a moot question. Because the fact that I'm employing, I'm providing health insurance to my employees, it's irrelevant. That's not my problem. I'm not doing the abortion. Uh-huh. Insurance companies pay for the abortion, which in turn is now paying for, you know, paying for their, like, I'm paying for the insurance company. Right, so it's really two steps removed. So what are we going to say? Why don't you like it? Do you have a problem with selling a car to someone who's going to use it for, uh, no, for, to, to, the, for the adultery? Right, do you have a problem saying, let's say, would you sell a car to someone where you know he's going to take a, a, a married a woman? What he does with it, he does ah, with it. okay, wow. so it's the same right. thing here. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So I'm selling you... I'm selling you... But it's uh, my cat. Yeah. It's also your car. No, 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 I'm selling the car. The cat is coming home. It's irrelevant. Car's you can't... Leaving. The fact that it's yours is not the issue. The issue is who's doing is there uh, no, the, the I, act I, of neutering it's what's prohibited you can get neuter someone else's cat either it's nothing to do with yours or not that's a different issue no, no, it's irrelevant it's it's I, can, I can give it to the it's the same thing as you sell your comments before pay mm-hmm. it's the same exact thing why do you do that I, uh, sometimes I don't okay. it's the same it's the same loophole 
the same exact loophole. I know, which I think when so, so look, I, I want to be responsible. This is for tax me, season. We really, thank God we have loopholes. No loopholes because I'm doing it. <laughs> what are you I, doing? Whether I give it to Shirley, I give it to the housekeeper to take, or I take it. The cat's getting neutered because I'm mm -hmm. neutering it. No, you're not neutering it. You're, you're, well, no, you're, the guy's neutering you're, it. You're assisting. Way, you're abetting the neutering. It. You're not neutering it. Right. So if you're neutering it, that's a... That's I'm just a like, I'm not going to again. I mean, yeah. So, okay, so, but yeah, listen, but I'm that's saying, a different so, subject we'll go to. No, it's not a different subject. That is the point. You're missing the point. The point is facilitation means you're facilitating it. If I'm giving it, if it's seven steps removed, right? If I sell weapons, I'm a, I, I produce some, uh, what's Glock? Okay, I'm uh, Smith and Wesson. And I'm selling weapons wholesale to, to a guy who's a, who's a distributor. And then the distributor is selling it to a store. And then the store sells it to some drug dealer on the street. So am I liable because the drug dealer bought it? No. So it's the same exact thing. The more you're removed from it, the less liable you are, the less complicit you are in the end result. That's the point. I think it's a very logical thing. I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, that, you disagree. That's, no, that's a, you, know, you can disagree, but if you... It's not the same as an animal that... But okay. A gun is not the same as an animal. A gun is worse, I think. If I know at the end result it's going to end up at the drug dealer, so so I'm li I should be right. liable. Says the law, you're not. Right. I would disagree. Only from I'll agree yeah. with Scotty in one sense. Alright. Correct me if I'm wrong. As you're doing this sale for the animal, selling it to the maid, and the maid's going to bring it, or you instructing the maid to get it neutered? No, you may, you know, well, it depends. Mechlokas, how it's a it's different opinion. Well, how you have to say it. If you are, if you are you're almost like the same issue, tax issue that um, we have with the IRS. Who is a contract worker? If you're directing every action he does, even then you're responsible for Social Security and everything else. No, but but again, the maid is not the issue. The point is, the maid's not neutering it either. You're right. If I would if I would instruct my maid to neuter the animal, that's well, that's a major problem. To be and that's why I can't go directly to the vet. What I'm saying is the maid is now, she is now instructed. So th there's a concept, this is why it might be different than American law. In, in Judaism, there's a concept. Normally, if I instruct someone to do something, it's called my shliach. It's, right. He acts as me. If I tell Reuven to marry someone for me, not, not to marry her, but to give her the ring on my behalf. So he's my shliach. That's a valid marriage. Yes. She's married to me, not to him. Yes. But it, there's a concept called ain't shliach vera. That means when it comes to sin, if I tell Reuven, kill that person, I'm not the murderer. He's the murderer. Yeah. Even though I instructed him to murder, it doesn't make me a murderer. Okay, so it's, so that's that concept means once if I instruct someone to do a sin, which in this case neutering is a sin, so they're no longer my messenger. They can't. They, that's the point. That's part of it. Okay. So we're, we're, yeah. but I don't want to get off the track. We have to get back to I, gay I, wedding things. Got to stick to gay wedding things. Trains are <laughs> derailed. <already. laughs> <laughs> no, so, so this is. Trains go off the track. It's way off the track. Um, <laughs> The point is like this. Again, Judaism is it's, it's very important to understand halacha. We don't the the word loophole sounds like a bad sounds doesn't sound good. But but uh, the point is just like in tax law, if you ask a local accountant, they'll tell you that uh, meaning just because something's a loophole, if it's legal, then then you're not doing it. Same way as if you eat bakos, um, you know a lot of Jewish law is hinges on. The legalities. It's not, not ethics, and it's a very important thing. I think you should know this by now. That in Judaism, there's, there's a very, there's no contradiction between law and ethics. I mean, there's something's legal. If the Torah says it's mutter, it's permitted, then it's going to be eth that's considered ethical. If the Torah says it's illegal, then it's unethical. There's no, 
God gets to decide what's ethical and what's not ethical. So if Torah says don't eat bacon and this is not bacon, this is bacon, doesn't make a difference. It smells like it tastes like it or whatever, you know, it's irrelevant. Okay, so now if the, the interpretation of Lifnevil City Mikshaw, do not place a stumbling block in front of the blind, is you shall not place that stumbling block. But once it's two steps removed, then it's you didn't place that stumbling block, even though you instructed it, so then that's the law. You can't say you could disagree from today to tomorrow, but the point is, you know, it's now that becomes ethical. Okay, that's usually the way it works. We're going to get to the unethical part of it here, but but the point, my point is, I, by, by the way, I had a case where I was consulted on, this is a couple of years ago, a couple who was doing a similar type of thing, was doing a, they were hiring a surrogate mother, surrogate woman, a surrogate mo- woman to carry their child. Um, wasn't their child, actually. Right? They went to a catalog, opened a catalog, right. chose a nice, on their blue-eyed woman, um, six-foot-five guy, um, to, to basically, not, it was not genetically theirs, adopting a child, but through, wanted to conceive, and they hired this woman, they met with the woman. Their question, they didn't ask me if they can do that, they never consulted me about that. They consulted me after the fact. Their question was, if the ch- in the contract with this woman, they have an opt-out, which says, that if the fetus, whatever reason, they don't, they're not happy, you know, there's, there's some defect or something, they have the right to, to, uh, to, to, well, to terminate the contract and then the woman aborts the child. And in the contract, they have to pay for the abortion. So the que- their question to me was, they're a religious couple, they want to know, can, can they make a contract that way they'll be paying for an abortion, which halakhically is prohibited in that case, just because the minor defect, the yes. kid has, uh, I don't know, you know, 11 toes, there's not a reason for an abortion, okay? So, so, this, so, but they, in their contract, it is. So their question to me was, is that, are they halakhically allowed to sign the contract where they're paying for the abortion? So what would you say in that case, Scott? Scott, you would not agree. No. What would you say? Can't do it. Yeah, Can't I do would, it. I would say no, too. Well, I'm mean, assuming that we're talking I about mean, those kind of reasons. Right, 11 toes. We're not talking about, uh, God forbid, a life No, if it's halakhically mutter, then right. that's but the issue. Then it wouldn't toes, be a question. The question is obviously the case where halakhically the abortion would be prohibited. But so they chose okay. to, for the woman so to do it. this is a case of we are enabling it because it possibly it's a she could do it also. Mm-hmm. She could also pay for all of So you're not enabling, then you're betting on it. So you're not allowed. Right, right, you're betting. You're not... I mean, yeah, but I'm not allowed to bet either. Okay, wait, it's still there are buttons. Well, okay, well, I don't know. No, no, I'll take that back. In this case, we're talking about a legal document which has force of the court, okay, the U.S. court then I would say you are being the stronger one, which would be enabling, because you're forcing her I have a person. Well, I'm no, not no, no, for, no, you're uh, forcing out of your contract. You're not going to pay her, and she could choose to go on and get pregnant, right. right? So technically, oh. yes. That was part of oh, my... Oh, you're not forcing the abortion. No, you're saying... Yeah, I mean, if she wants to carry I, the baby, it's her pregnant. Okay, yeah. I, I misunderstood She you wants to have the baby. The I don't think they would have... They're, they're just backing out of the contract. They're saying, oh, I, oh, I thought it's over. Our, we're not taking the baby from you. I misunderstood You want to abort it? You want to... forcing the abortion. If you want to abort it, never mind. I agree. And that's probably... I would say, if anything... So what are you saying? Maybe assisting. So anyway, so I uh, I wasn't sure, so I called uh, my go-to rabbi. <laughs> um, so I consulted with actually some. Actually, I called one rabbi. He hung up the phone on me. He's like screaming, "How can you let them do such a thing?" And, like forget about the abortion. You're talking about the circus. Yeah, so yeah. Did, uh, he right. yeah that came to you. So I said fact, yes. Right? I said, yeah. but he wouldn't. Let, he actually hung up the phone on me. He's really angry at me. So then I called another rabbi. <laughs> my second rabbi. So anyway, so so this guy said, um, so so uh, so he basically what he said was like this, and, and this guy is not going to like it. He said, 
they can they what it is is they can write in the contract if it's a general statement we will pay for all your medical bills then it's okay they can't explicitly stay in the contract we will pay for abortion if they're saying making a general statement that we will pay for all medical costs are involved in this process then that's fine but they can't explicitly state um, that they're going to pay for abortion. The reason is, you know, it's meaning the point is, if they're stating we're going to pay for abortion, so that means they're complicit. If they're saying, listen, we're paying medical. Now, she chose to do this press again, because it was her prerogative. She could have, even if they pull out of the contract, the, it was the prerogative of that woman to go ahead and continue with the pregnancy. So, so he said, listen, she's not, they're not telling her she has to have an abortion. So as long as they're not saying explicitly we're paying for her, if she chooses to have an abortion, we're paying for it, they can't pay for her abortion if it's against Allah. And we're talking about, and by the way, the woman was not Jewish. The woman was not Jewish. But wouldn't it be taking possession? I mean, theoretically, the, the fetus, the pre-fetus is there. Like, they own it. Well, I don't, uh, I'm not sure how that works. I think it would be the distinction of when they take over. Well, I'm not sure how that works. I don't know. If, I don't know if you could own it. I'm not. No. Yeah, I don't think they. No, I'm not sure that's the way it works. As far as I know, in that case where they're not genetically, genetic, they have nothing. They're not genetically involved. It's just they're basically adopting, legally adopting the baby after birth. That's the way it works. You're signing a contract. Now you're signing a contract. The way I understand it, and I, and I would have to research it to make sure, but I, the way I believe it's done in cases like that is it's basically legal adoption. Not before birth, after birth. So who owns it? Who owns that fetus? Mom until she's Mom, but she's legally obligated to hand over the fetus. Was it her egg? You said no. No, it's yeah, not the mom's egg. Yeah, it's totally implant. I pay for the egg and I put it in a right. test tube. It's exactly. mine. And I contract somebody. Yeah, do I, I still don't know. Do I don't know the answer. That's the way it looks. How many? Yeah, but Rabbi, what about It's irrelevant. Legally, the legal part is irrelevant. It's not luck. Okay, so my question would be, how do you define the process? The process was to have a living organism outside the womb at nine months. That's the process. To say that I'm going to pay for all the legal, all the medical bills for the process. Right. All right. The abortion is really not part of that. It's not a process. Yeah, but it is. We're saying whatever's involved in this process, whatever medical costs are incurred. If right, if she, if right, if the abortion happens, if she chooses to have an abortion, at that point, we opt out and we say we don't want the baby, and she, that woman, chooses to have the abortion. So there's still that's part of the medical costs incurred would be the abortion. So that's the rabbi did permit at the end. Okay, we're, we're getting, got to get to the cake. No, nothing, it didn't happen. Thank God the baby's alive and well. I happen to know. <laughs> no, no, in this case, they actually, yeah. They were saying hypothetically, they wanted to know, can they put abortion into the country? It didn't happen at the end. Did they get Jewish donors, by the way? No, no one was Jewish. Wait a minute, I have No one was Jewish involved. Genetic donor, the, the, none, yeah, they converted the baby. It was covered. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. I have a question about this whole thing, though. When the couple entered into this contract, can I just Is it relevant to the question? To, yeah, to the when, when, when the couple entered into the contract, did you say that they were saying that there, you know, they, if, if there was something wrong with the baby, that they didn't want to have the baby? They, they had what about that? I mean, that, that in itself is kind of a... Right. Uh, what's this what's that? What's baby? What? They well, can do whatever they want. Saying it's not even there, it's not their baby. It's not related to them. There's no relation. That's what I want. Well, well, they, yeah, they can do whatever they want. They make right, a contract. It's like going shopping. You know? right. The whole thing is problem. I'm not discussing that. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Because it's it's a different problem. question. Yes. You agree with me, though. Okay, gay wedding gigs. Let's go. Wait a second. You're moving the thing. 
Okay. Now, getting back to the case. Okay, so now, all right. So we're at. Uh, so as we know, there's nothing new. There's a, there's a beautiful statement. Talmud says. Talmud says, "Ein chadash tachat Hashemish." It's nothing new under the sun. So, 25 years ago, or 50 actually. Um, I don't see what year this was written. Tavshin Yitzchak, 1958. Right, gay weddings didn't exist in the United States of America, at least it wasn't on the agenda. Couldn't even get, there was no bakery in America yeah. that would make you a gay wedding ticket at the time. So, but Ramosha Feinstein was asked this question, believe it or not, it's unbelievable. There's nothing new in the world. So this is the question that was posed in 1958 um, to Ramosha Feinstein. The question was posed from a rabbi in London. His name was Benzion Rakoff, who posed this question to Rabbi Feinstein. The question was, this guy uh, owned a congregant of his own wedding hall, Scotty's case, and uh, he had a catering hall, and uh, the question was, he would rent out the catering hall to Jewish weddings, and that the Jewish weddings, God forbid, they had mixed answer. Okay, and his question was, sorry, Feinstein, can he allow, can he rent out the wedding hall, where halakhically um, there's going to be mixed dancing that's prohibited? Can he, knowing, can he rent out the wedding hall to couples knowing they're going to have mixed dancing at the wedding? That was the question to both Rabbi Feinstein. Okay, so uh, so it's a lengthy response from here, um, and uh, he goes on to say. So that was that was the question posed. It was in London, like I said, um, and it was a question of these questions. Zlifnaver, he says, is this a problem of two things? He says, one is, am I assisting? Am I abetting their sin by renting them, renting them the hall? And secondly, um, do, do I have to say? Do I have to make sure they don't they don't sin? Meaning. When they do rent out the hall and mixed dancing starts, am I obligated to go in there and pull the couples apart? Okay. <laughs> try that. So, uh, so, so Moshe goes on. So the first thing he says, he's permitted for four different rationales. Okay, number one, he says, it clearly is not lifnaver. It's not a violation of the biblical prohibition. Why? Because he says, um, Listen, there's many holes out there. If you don't rent in the hall, it's not like you're enabling them to do this to do the sin. If you don't rent in the hall, they're going to go next door. This is not you're not the only wedding hall in town, right? So that's number one. So it's not two sides of the river. The biblical prohibition, as we said, is only two sides of the river, where you the nazir can't get the cup of wine. In this scenario, they can go to another hall. They don't need you. You're not the only show in town. So that's number one. It's not biblical. So he says it's downgraded immediately to category number two, which may be a betting sin. So he says, first of all, he brings a shach, a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. He says an unbelievable thing. Not everyone agrees with him, but he says you can rely on it in this scenario, which is that shach says, is very important for many of us who have um, relatives who are not religious, um, who, don't, who don't necessarily care about the halacha, but, so this is important. He says, when someone's doing something deliberately, okay, that means what's called in the halacha's term is called mazid. We have two categories, a shogeg and mazid. Shogeg means unintentional. Sin, or sometimes you have someone they know they're sinning, but they, this is this is my life. Leave me alone. I don't bother me, right? So in a case like that, he says, plus he says where you, where you uh, where the person is is doing the the act intentionally, he says there's no violation of the fnevelisitemuksha placing a stumbling block. He says Stum- placing a stumbling block is only in front of the blind. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing is a sin. So that you have no that's not your problem. They're doing it. They're choosing to do it. Placing a stumbling block means like Charlie Chaplin. The guy is blind and he's and he put the banana peel in front. But if the guy knows what he's doing, so he's saying if the guy doesn't know this is a sin, right? He doesn't so that's the problem. You're helping him sin where he's this guy doesn't know that there's a you go into a place the guy doesn't even know kosher exists. Right? 
He doesn't even know about the concept. And you're serving him non-kosher food. That's placing a stumbling block. But if the guy knows kosher, whatever the case was, and he's deliberately, he's doing it intentionally, so then it's not your problem. Then there's no pro- violation. And not everyone agrees with that. Uh, the Magan of Ram argues, but he says, that's another thing here. So here, where they, they know they're doing is wrong, so it's not your problem. You don't have, you don't have an, a prohibition of, of stopping them. You don't, you're not obligated to stop them. That's number one. Number two, actually. Number three, C, he says, um, he says, not, he says, this is a fascinating thing. Like this, he says that uh, it's very important, it's very relevant, of, uh, as we'll see in Kirov, when you're dealing with Kirov outreach. He, sa- he says like this, you have to look at what's the prohibition abetting someone in sin. Okay, you're assisting, let's say, non-kosher, or in this case, mixed dancing, whatever the case is. He says, but you have to look at the greater, the spiritual net gain. Okay? If the spiritual net gain, even if you're assisting them in sin, but the net gain is they're actually going to help them for more spiritual. No, that's simple because not enough reason. He says, if you don't rent in the hall, you're a kosher caterer. They're going to go next door to a non-kosher caterer. So he says, what, what's, where's their more spiritual gain? He says, at the end of the day, you're right. You're helping them. They're, they're sinning because you're having mixed dancing in this hall. But they're going to go next door, have the mixed dancing at a non-kosher, and serving non-kosher. So, and all these hundred people coming to the event are going to be in non-kosher. So it's better to, for you to rent in the hall where the net gain is actually going to be that they're gaining. Okay, so, so this is applicable, by the way, yeah? Okay. Okay. <coughs> Mike. In the, in, the, in the situation where so let's they say don't realize <coughs> that mixed dancing is even a problem, because there's a lot of those. Yeah. Is it then even worse to let them know? I mean, like the shaving yeah, the so blade on your so face. That's, I don't, I so can't. that's, you're right. So that's a different problem. It's a problem. That's why we, coming mm-hmm. to Torah class is a problem. You get educated and now you're, <laughs> now you're no longer unintentional. Now you're intentional. They they, if you tell them, then it's worse. Right. So 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 yeah, we had the class already. So you know, if you tell come, someone you're doing something wrong, hall, and that, that's great because they're going to do kosher, but they don't realize that mixed dancing that's okay. is bad. So I, I shouldn't say anything. No, because then you're enabling. Then you're that, right. Yeah, okay. no, not enabling. The you're issue not there becomes you're, you're letting you're, no. The no, issue becomes that now you're making them intentional. So intentional is always worse. So never worth. It's important to know when you have relatives who are not religious. Never tell them something where you know they're not going to do it anyway. It's worse. Don't say it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know they're going to drive on Shabbos, don't tell them it's prohibited. Because now, by you telling them that, now they're becoming intentional. So you're upgrading their prohibition. Mm-hmm. They're doing it unintentionally. Okay. Okay. So it's better not to tell them. Okay? <laughs> better not to educate them. Okay? Which it is, seems very weird in a way. However. Yes. But right. most, if, no. no, I'm saying only if you know they're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. If you think they're going to listen. Yeah, if, there, if there's a chance but to tell them. But if you just are hoping that they're going to listen, don't do it. <laughs> exactly. It's very important. It's important to know. We all have this issue. Well, it's sure, a very important to know. This one this is an easy one. No, yeah, right. So this is a very, it's important to know this. We said this before, meaning better don't tell someone. As I like to say, I always say, I, for me to go into Beth's little parking lot with a sign, don't drive on jobs, besides getting <laughs> run over, besides <laughs> getting run down. <laughs> And I'm saying I'm making it worse. Don't do that because they're not. What's the point? You know <laughs> that. Right. So, so that's a very important aspect to understand. Number two. So this we, we're another place that's very applicable for 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 cure of rabbis. Is that's the hetero meaning? Because why am I allowed to invite someone Friday night if I know they're going to drive my house? Technically, I'm assisting. I'm. I'm listen, they might stay home and, and uh, have a Shabbat dinner at home. Now, because I'm inviting them, they're driving on Shabbat. So why am I allowed to do that? 
So one of the theorem is this. One of the reasons why it's forbidden is because the net gain is now they're going to see the beauty of Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the hope is that because they see the beauty of Shabbos, they're going to they're going to enjoy Shabbos and they're going to eventually keep Shabbos the themselves. I always offer them a place to stay. They want to take it. It's up to them. There you go. Well, that's something else. That's to get out of the fact that you're not you're not telling them to sin. Meaning, if I right. invite someone for a night dinner and and they live in far away, they live in uh, wood, uh, yeah. wood, 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 woodlands. Okay, and there's no, they can't walk. And, and I don't invite them to stay, so now, because of me, they're driving. It's only because I call them, I'm inviting them. They want to stay at home. Because of me, now they're driving. Now, if you w- now the point is, if they would have gone out to the Rockets game Friday night, and now yeah, I'm inviting them, so the net gain is yeah. better than the sure. fact that they're coming to me. They're driving anyway, I'll drive and have a Shabbat dinner. So yeah. that's, a, that's a difficult. So this is actually, we had just had this a question with Genesis. Um, one of the things, Rabbi Rosen was pushing that it should be open Friday night, so people in Beth Yishirin can have Shabbat dinner. Right, so it's a similar question. Do we enable them? They're going to be driving on Shabbos, but listen, if they don't come to to yeah, the Genesis, they're going to go to 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 right the fans. Do we do we do we do we allow them to be open Friday night? No way. What is well? You're saying no way. Why? The net gain is better. Rabbi Shmuel is saying the net gain is they're going to go to Genesis. There's a few restaurants in Manhattan that do prepaid Friday night. So that's the question. So why are you saying no way? They do it prepaid, prepaid, prepaid. Now the question is, will people that sure and come even if it's open, that's the question. Because even if they have the option, they're still going to be going to Fadi's. And you can, well, you can you go and you, you pay before Shabbos and you get served. Get the, no, no it doesn't matter. It's probably not to cook pre-cooked. But you still have to drive to get there, right? Well, I'm not in action, but I'm saying regardless, most people are in Genesis. So why say no way? It's legal. Well, if it's legal, then they can do it. Well, oh, no, the question, sure no, but the question is again, are we condoning people well, driving on Shabbos? Well, but the question is, are they driving to families anyway? Yeah. Because it's an They're interesting question. Yeah, but those people walk. Sell it out. They could make them money and it could last and it could be better. But those people are walking. Uh, not all. That's not true. Uh, but they come in cabs. Okay. Uh, here's, the, here's why I say but that. But it's prepaid. Because no, no, no one that's shown for Shabbos would do it. No, no. no. come there. Not true. Rabbi Jack is across the street. If he has a Shabbat dinner, what do you mean? Rabbi Jack might be the only one. <laughs> but he's, he, next month it's going to be a bit more. What I'm saying is no one. I don't you know. know. I'm not, I, listen, if I would live in walking distance, no, I, my wife more can more eat more out. She doesn't have to cook Shabbat dinner. No, it's awesome. It's People yeah, would take it I said if I would live in walking, you know, in a nice walk. Right, but what I'm saying is who yeah. lives in walking? If you're a Beth Yishirin, people be surprised. Rabbi Rosen Many and people, Brian, wait. If I, if I could Brian, you wouldn't take your wife to dinner if I had dinner? If I had to walk to my limit, if there was an option, I would do it. If it was all cooked, if I knew everything was done, you would eat there. It's pretty cooked and everything else, I'd pay that. Why wouldn't I? And he could say, I might get a bite, not observant. That's right. That's right. But, but how would you get there? It's all done. But you, you, know, yeah. but you have to drive to get there. Well, well, but the assumption is there. Probably. You don't know. So what happens? Right, 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 right now, we're not doing it. Right now, we're not doing it. She didn't ask. All right, we'll get it off the top. It No, it's complicated because you have to get mashkia. I'm going to find a cake. Okay, so cake. I'm going to have two men on your cool. Okay, so so in the last thing, listen to this last one, and then we'll get we'll apply it to the cake. So the last, so again, so when you're looking at the net gain. So again, the question is, when you invite someone Friday night, the net gain is hopefully they'll become more observant, not less. Even though I'm causing them to drive, 
So there are postkin, by the way, who say the only you could invite people if you offer them a place to stay. Now, if they're choosing not to stay, it's not your problem. Yeah. That's what Shalom Zalman Rabbah holds. Okay. I don't, that's I, I don't say that. Yeah, I don't okay. invite people to stay. No. Um, <laughs> 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 and you made him aware of the rabbi's sin. Uh, anyway, okay, so the last right. point Ramosha makes is like this. He says, he says you can't say that that he, his example is like this. He says, if you're going to say that if I, he says, when you're selling them, you're, you're renting a catering hall. You're not just renting the hall for mixed dancing. There are many things. You're giving them the food. There's a lot of things that are taking place. You're giving them a permissible object. You're renting them a permissible object. Now, they chose to, to, to use it for sin. He says, that's not your problem. He says, you can't say that's prohibitive. He says, otherwise, I can never sell someone a pot. He says, because if they don't keep kosher, and now I have a hardware store selling them a pot because they're going to cook not kosher in the pot. I can't sell them a pot. They might cook with it on Shabbos. So he says that's ludicrous. That obviously the Torah doesn't prohibit you to sell something to someone because they might do something prohibited with it. So he says you have a catering hall. The fact that you're selling them, you're renting them a catering hall. The fact that this guy might uh, meet a married woman and have an affair with them at your catering hall doesn't make you uh, doesn't prohibit you from renting a catering hall. Okay, that's his four rationales for renting. I want to ask one question. Yeah. Does that also does the rabbi also yeah, take into okay. account that you know? If you're bl- again, if you're blind, you can you get away with a lot, okay? But if you but I'm, no, but I'm, I'm serious. I'm, seriously, I mean, if the catering hall has a choice, he's gonna he can rent to somebody who's gonna walk in with payers and all this. And he's always he's not gonna be mixed dancing, or he's gonna ru- or he's gonna be renting it to a secular Jew who he's ninety percent sure is gonna have mixed dancing. Is that a, does that become the issue? No, you say if he has a choice, well, he must well, that the choice, I mean, But I mean, if you kind of know what's going to happen. I'm no, so he say even though you know, he says, listen, it's not your issue. I'm renting them a it's pot. It's not my problem. If, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to, when I sell you a pot, I don't have to check what you're going to do with the pot. Mm-hmm. It's not my issue. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay now, seems, so, yeah. It seems much harder when you say gay marriage and not make dancing, yeah, well, so yeah. the problem is like this. So, I, so originally when I learned this truth, I said, wow, so then according to Ramosha, there's the same thing with gay it's wedding cakes. Because you have, right. if I, I have a bakery, so number one is so they can go next door. Which, by the way, the case in Oregon, it was the setup. They, they could have gone. Many other bakers would have sold them a gay wedding cake. They came in knowing this guy had refused other people, and it was all a setup to get it to the courts. But that's besides the point. So, so someone comes to three brothers. So they know, they, so if I... They don't have to come to me. Three brothers doesn't sell them the cake. They're going to go to, to somewhere else, right? Okay, that's number one. So it's not a duress. It's downgrade. Mm-hmm. Number two is um, the question of is, is if it's deliberate. Clearly, if someone's marrying a man, I assume he knows. <laughs> he knows he's marrying. So it's clearly deliberate, meaning they know that according to the Torah, well, well not necessarily. If they're from Beth Israel or maybe part of the conservative movement today, they might say it's not really prohibited. It's only monogamous, you know. So again, they might not realize it's prohibited, so I don't that would have to apply well, to case by case basis. The yeah. other thing is is marriage. Like anyway, how do you know what the how do you know what they do behind closed doors? Because they're uniting together in a ceremony doesn't mean they're actually doing the sin. Okay, of no, so, that, so that interesting. You know, normally Allah would say that, but the the Allah says um, the Allah says actually um, it says when, when you go you go into the Yichud room. Right, it says, even though everyone knows what happens behind closed doors, but we, you know, we don't say it, meaning it's assumed, because that's part of it's, it's an assumption, Allah. That was the, the okay. 
So you see, right? That is that, know, that, that's a good point. So the point is, but you're right. When I'm selling them a wedding cake, I, I don't know what they're doing. Now, if the union, maybe they're putting on a show, whatever it is, I, I'm selling the cake. I could, by the way, the husband and wife that I'm selling the cake to might hate each other too. You're right. You're right. Or you know, it's a very good point. Okay, so here's the answer. Not to pick on you don't you don't ask, and you just sell them the cake, and they can get their own top for it, and you just oh, okay, don't that's get for sure. in it. If I sell them the cake without the top, I can do whatever yeah, I want. That's that, the that's sure. The answer. So that's a very that's a good point. So right, I want to get there. Exactly. One second. One second. No, she's saying buy, just sell, sell the, the cake without the, without the bride and groom. Say, listen, I'll make you a cake. No that's top. what I understand. I don't understand in Oregon. The guy could have said that. You know, if he would have said to them, listen, it's not discriminatory. I'll sell you the cake. I'm just not going to sell you. Not going to put the man and man and right. man on top. Right. I'll sell you the cake. I don't know why. Takes to his vet and lets the vet put it on. Or I'll sell you the man. No, no, Brian. You could say I'll sell you the two men on top, but they have to be neutered. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. So anyway, let me just finish because we're out of time. So the the point is like this. Now the, the other the number three C applies, I think, to the gay wedding cakes also, which is if you, if you don't come, if three brothers doesn't sell them the cake, then they get a non-kosher gay cake, which may be more. The question is what that is that a, okay? Now now. Now the last point. No, well, I'm just an example. I'm saying if theoretically it happens. So the last point is where I think your point comes in, which I think I'm not. Sure, this is where originally when I read the tshuva. I thought Ramosha it would be permitted because it's the same thing. Listen, I'm selling them like you. Someone just said I'm selling them a cake. What they can do with it is not my problem. I'm selling permissible object. Okay, but so it's like a pot. But the problem is if there are two men on it, there's only one thing this cake can right. be used. If I'm selling them a cake and then they go and do it, I happen to know it's a gay wedding, then, then I think promotion would apply. Exactly like Susan's saying, because I'm selling them a cake. Now, it happened to me, they're gonna, I know they're going to put two men on top. That's not my issue. Mm -hmm. I'm selling you permissible cake. You want to mm -hmm. throw in someone's face? Okay. You want to yeah, right, right. you wanna, you wanna do whatever you want with it. But, but once I'm putting those two men, I'm as a baker, I'm, I'm yeah, an artist, and I'm putting those two men on top of the cake, so now it's no longer a motion, because I'm not just selling you a pat uh, that you can use whatever you want. There's only one thing this cake could be used for at this point. Mm -hmm. is a gay wedding. There's nothing else you can, you can't bring that cake to work, put it in the coffee room. <laughs> Okay, so if I, so, so if I want a Bath Bath Beyond, alright, and, and a Jewish couple comes up to me and says, I, and I, please send me a pot I can put my lobsters in. Or oh she's, my, or she's, again, she's that's not your problem. Linen, uh, no, because again, because a pot, the remote is saying is a pot could be used for lobster, it could be used for, for, for chicken gumbo. Okay, so one second, wait. So the pot could be used for both. Therefore, there's no prohibition. I'm not okay. placing a stumbling block. One second, when I sell you the pot, okay. even though I know you tell me I'm going to use it for lobster, that's fine because a pot is a permissible object. But once it's a lobster pot, it has a basket where the lobsters feed. So then it could be a problem. Okay. Which, by the way, the, but it's not. I'll tell you why. Because I own a lot of shrimp cookers for cashew. Yeah, we we use them for cashew in the kitchen. Yeah, That's yeah, how we right. cashew. Okay, what if you go great, to Bath and Beyond and register? Shrimp cookers are great for cashew in the kitchen. And register for uh, linen and wool together in your sheets. That's a he's a store oh, owner. Oh, that's sure, bro. Well, you know how to say it. No, he's a store owner, so yeah. you, offer, you, he can't offer it for sale. Well, yeah, you you can't. Right. You, if you know they're not going to check it, that might be a problem. It's a good question. If I know they're not going to, even if you have suits, yeah. yeah. You're allowed to sell it, but listen, every store in Brooklyn sells it. They just they assume you're going to check it. You take it to the lab to check for wool and wool. Now, now we have wool and wool. Right, sheets, by the way, I'm not, I'm not such a problem, necessarily.
So machlokas. Anyway, so the bottom line is so according this so this last thing about the pot, I'm not sure I, I, I never asked anyone, I, but I'm assuming that's a problem. Because in that scenario, if you once I put those two men on top of the cake, so now there's only one thing this cake could be used for. So it right. might be more problematic than this scenario of the cake. Okay. But I was going to say, what if it was a satire? But then I guess. You <laughs> so by the way, the last, the last thing is going to end off because we're past time. You know, we don't like going overtime, but um, which is there's another problem. So assuming, let's assume it's permitted to sell the gay wedding cake. Else, you're not in violation of the either. The problem, the other problem is, um, there's something called loti chanin, which is the Torah says. Um, I don't know the English translation, but it more or less means don't tl. I don't know what the, that's the Yiddish word. Tl someone? You know what tling means? Tling. Yelling, toughest looking, toughest looking. So, it means uh, you, you can't condone. Uh, there's certain things. You know, right? If someone tells me they did something wrong, for example, the mission says, and it's relevant this year, it's a year of sabbatical year. Like a brown noser? Yes, yeah, exactly. Brown yeah. noser. Right. That's that the English translation, I guess. Exactly. So that's a biblical prohibition. Someone's sinning, you're not allowed to brown nose them and condone in condoning their sin. Okay. So let's say a reform rabbi comes and tells me he married the. You, know, you just did a gay wedding. I can't go and say, wow, great job, beautiful, you certainly, beautiful job. <laughs> Even though I'm not doing it, I'm not, it's after the fact. Right? So I'm not, so even though I'm not, I have nothing to do with the wedding, yeah. I'm not part of it, but I'm saying, wow, you certainly, your speech is great. It's a great speech, okay? You can't do that? The rabbi gives a great speech uh, and he talks about uh, gay marriage is beautiful. I can't say, wow, great speech, rabbi. There's a mission in, in Shvius that says like this. It says that if you're passing by a field and the farmer is working during sabbatical year, um, you're now to say, keep on trucking, keep on plowing. It's prohibited for you to say. It's a biblical prohibition. So the question is when it comes to gay marriage, and if I'm the bakery and I'm saying, oh, congratulations. I'm writing on the cake, congratulations, and then putting. Joe and Bill. Yeah, Bob right, and so that right. could be a violation of this. That's another biblical violation, maybe, which might be a problem. So, bottom line is, Bobby Jucker uh, calls me. Question is Ashkacha, that's an interesting question. By the way, there was a case in Israel, which I forgot to mention. There was, I told you, I think we mentioned this in the past, where you had it was a kosher uh, topless bar. It was a topless bar that wanted to be kosher, wanted to have action. <laughs> so the question is, Rabbanut in Israel said they were not giving action. It's a topless bar. So the, they sued them in court, I believe, the, and I believe they won. The court in Israel ruled, listen, you're just saying the food is kosher. You're not discussing whether right. women are kosher. Right, absolutely. Right? So, so that, so... So what were they <laughs> they said, listen, we want kosher, we want action, we want a, a certificate saying we're kosher. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we don't want, the courts will, I believe, to look it up again, I remember some years ago, courts said, listen, you're, the two da says, the food is kosher, it's not saying the women are kosher. So, Thank you.